I believe that everybody can learn something from everybody. And so I really enjoy, I know that when I was coming up, I enjoyed being on sets where I can learn and people, there's an openness. And so I really do try to bring that to what I do. What's inside? Discovering what you're made of and making the most of it with professional coach Ken Edwards. Helping you understand your gifts, honing your leadership skills, sharpening your natural instinct so you can enjoy a more fulfilling life. Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Nordoff. And I'm here with Ken Edwards. Hey, Eric. So today we're diving into another conversation about leading others and leading teams. And this one's interesting because we're going back to your son, Jonathan Edwards, who runs a creative agency, primarily just in videography and in that creative space, helping corporate clients, et cetera. I'm really interested to hear how he distinguishes leading teams because he doesn't necessarily have a lot of coworkers that he works with, right? Right. But he has a lot of people that work with him on projects. Right. And he has a history of having worked with coworkers in a more traditional team. It's part of what I enjoy about this interview because he currently works with a lot of contractors. You know, people like himself that he is using to kind of round out his team. Yeah. So it's just a, a great different perspective. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Me too. All right, let's listen. So Jonathan, you have had a broad experience with mm-hmm. leading teams from when you were at Willow and you know, leading your team there. And then as a, a small business owner doing video production work in leading, it's a different kind of team leadership because mm-hmm. you are leading uh, freelancers, mm-hmm. contract guys. Yeah. So... I just want to hear, and you can go anywhere you want to with this, but I kind of want to get at what's your philosophy, first of all, of leadership, team leadership. How do you relate to the members on your team? How do you communicate with them? How do you handle issues like when you need to correct a team member or challenge a team member? What's that like for you? So yeah, just, and even just the culture Maybe that's a better way to go at it is the culture that you want to create in a team Mm -hmm. and why you want to create it that way. Mm -hmm. It's a big question. (laughs) So I guess I'll kind of talk about it just kind of where I'm at now, but I might reference some of my past stuff. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, oftentimes now I'm working mainly with contractors and my business partner, Chad and I, like we have just, we have some great contractors that we get to work with. And I guess my philosophy is I like to find people that we work well together. We have a great creative energy and and can handle kind of stressful situations together well and just keep hiring them like over and over, right? Like, yeah. you know, but that doesn't mean that I'm not into like not working with new people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. But I really like building kind of a, a team that we can kind of go and do battle together with. What so. kind of characteristics do you look for as you're building a team? Like, how do you know when you found it? That's a great question. I would say, honestly, so just to be perfectly honest, I would say most of the teams that I've worked with over the years, I've had some hand in developing the people that I'm working with. I would say now I kind of find myself in a place now where I am starting to work with more people that like, I didn't like develop them, right? Mm -hmm. But like my main direct photography that I work with, like I helped get him into it and helped train him and kind of helped set him on 
the path. That, I mean, he was already like on that path, you know what I mean? But I helped kind of come alongside him. So we have like a deep history and it's been like that kind of every team that I've worked on, like the people that I, I kind of will bring people in and then help develop them up and then mm-hmm. I guess send them out. So mm-hmm. I guess now the teams that I'm on, it's, it's the dynamics a little different, but I would say the makeup is maybe like two thirds people that I've brought in. A few times I've gotten to observe you working. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've noticed is that it seems like your teams, even with freelancers, there's a level of mutual respect. You know, there's not a lot of pride on the set. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone seems to pull together to get the quality product. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how did you create that? Because I've I've been in other circumstances that I haven't seen that working as well. Yeah. (laughs) So for anybody that hasn't been on a a video or a film set, it's kind of a, a unique thing. It's like you have all of this intensity for like this one thing that's happening in front of a camera, you know what I mean? And then it's kind of like, go, 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 stop while it's shooting. And so I guess when I'm looking to bring people on the set, I want to find people that are going to keep the energy like clean. They're going to keep things level. And when stuff goes wrong, like they're not going to freak out. Like it's like, hey, we're in this together and we're going to find a solution because oftentimes there is a solution. And so I just like to, I guess, work with people like that. And honestly, to your point, what you said, uh, the mutual respect, that's a big thing for me is like, I believe that everybody can learn something from everybody. And so I really enjoy, I know that when I was coming up, I enjoyed being on sets where I can learn and people, there's an openness. And so I really do try to bring that to what I do. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a video blog I watched several years ago by one of the trainers of Disney Corporation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said in hiring, they always hired for attitude. We can pretty much train everything else, but we hire attitude. And it seems like you really do the same thing. You're kind of hiring for the right kind of energy. Disposition. Um, That's really... Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because a a big ego is just not going to fly on a set very well. Honestly, like a little bit of humility and a strong work work ethic can overcome quite a bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. So it's... Mm -hmm. And some planning. Like, yeah. So I would rather hire the right person to be on the set. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And when you're running a team, what is your structure? It seems like it's fairly flat mm-hmm. in terms of organization, but what kind of structure do you create to support the team? So there's kind of the basic just structure that would be on a film set. I would say for just kind of most of the projects that I shoot, it does tend to be a little more flat just because I'm I don't always have like assistant director or like, you know, a bunch of whatever. So mm-hmm. it usually tends to just be like a few camera ops. And then depending on the size of the project, I'm either directing and DPing. Although I have started hiring a, a cinematographer more just because I enjoy being in the director's seat more. Yeah. Um, and it helps me kind of hold the project better, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. So it it tends to only be a few people. And since I usually do tend to use like a really small crew, smaller crew, it tends to be flat. And most of the people know each other. So it it helps, you know. But it's nice because there's a shorthand that develops and there's familiarity and a family. Like I like that I can call my people and and you know what you're going to get. Sure. Absolutely. So when maybe something isn't working and you have to offer some kind of correction, Mm -hmm. How does that go down? So I'm a big believer in um, don't just like bring problems, like bring solutions. And so if I have to offer feedback, like I'm going to do it in a um, 
a way that's not in front of everybody. Like I'm going to pull somebody aside and kind of have a conversation, but then also give kind of the like, Hey, here's like a different way to think about it. Obviously that's circumstantial. Like what is it? Right. Mm -hmm. But, but Hey, here's a different way to think about it. Or here's a different way to approach it. You know, that kind of thing. But honestly, I, I just with grace, cause we've all been there. Like we've all made mistakes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you say that so naturally, but it's kind of a uniqueness that you bring to your team because not everyone thinks like that in my experience. And so to, to just recognize humanity, the fact that, yes, we indeed have all made mistakes and to let that become the forefront of your mind, because that can help slow you down when you want to react to something. Mm-hmm. Instead of reacting, if you stop and just think about our own humanity, it can allow you space to respond instead, which is applying grace or giving someone benefit of the doubt is a different way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's a uniqueness that you do bring to your team. Mm-hmm. And so I want to highlight that for folks because it often gets overlooked. And like just even the courtesy that there needs to be a correction, you know, doing it more privately. Sometimes that doesn't happen either. You know, people just kind of blurt it out without considering the impact on the individual, but also on the team. It can yeah, be so it, demoralizing. Well, it, it just becomes like, it goes against the results that you're trying to get. So mm-hmm. I get upset about somebody in front of everybody else. Now everybody else is on edge because, you know, it's like, it, it's mm-hmm. not going to help foster an environment that creates a good product, you know? Yeah, I want to highlight something else that you haven't said, but you you do. You create an environment that you want to be in. Yeah, yeah. Which is really mm-hmm. important. And that may be the most important thing when you think about leading a team, folks. What do you want to be in? How do you want to relate to people? How do you want people to relate to you? So that there is a spirit of your commonality and care for one another. And once again, a, a common mistake I see team leaders making is they kind of make it about them. And so they might have a temptation to crack a whip or offer a correction that's kind of harsh instead of stopping and and thinking about the whole. Mm. I think you do that really well. I appreciate that. Yeah. So with your team, how do you prep them for the work? Like how do you communicate with them and mm. how do you let them know what's going on and what the target is? And you know, do, you, do you do like any kind of pre-production mm-hmm. meetings or? Yeah, mm-hmm. tell me about that. What does that look like? So it kind of varies by scale, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say typically right now, a lot of what we shoot, we tend to shoot a lot of like publishing content. There's a lot of just publishers in Nashville. So we shoot a lot of like book series. And so typically for something like that, it would look like uh, we book the project and then Chad and I, Chad, my business partner and I would, you know, come up with the schedule. And then we start kind of filling the team based on the needs. So, you know, there might be a few camera ops, there would be a cinematographer, a DP, and then the director, Chad, usually would slot into kind of a producer role so that he can manage the details and kind of be over everything. Right. And then that allows us to have where on set, Chad and I can kind of be a shared mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I can kind of hold the creative vision and he can hold the details. And then from there, usually what we do once everything's mapped out is we'll meet with our DP. And so we'll go, hey, book your team. Like if I have an opinion, like, hey, I'd really like this guy on the team. Like I think he's got a great eye for what we're shooting or whatever. I might throw out some some thoughts. But from there, it kind of always comes down to like, oh, are they available or what, you know, whatever. But I kind of empower my DP to make a lot of those decisions and trust him. And I'll direct and guide where needed. And 
with my background and I've, I've been doing this, I think said 17 years earlier, I have a lot of experience like lighting my own stuff. So I tend to be pretty involved and have a lot of opinions about the way something looks, obviously set deco, like all of that. Mm. And so from there, we just kind of like that. And I just empower my people. Yeah, one of the takeaways that for those of you that have a team that you work with on a weekend, week out basis, that I think you can glean from Jonathan, who's builds a team for almost every project, even though you obviously use some of the same people. Sure. But, but people it, get booked. Like, yeah. Right. So the idea of communicating with great intentionality, once again, I observed him, you know, pulling his guys together. And several years ago, there was a fad of doing stand-up meetings, which I'm actually a big fan of because there's that sense of intentionality, purposeful. You're not sitting around gabbing. You don't get distracted quite as much. And so to implement that stand-up meeting, which is kind of what you do just by virtue of <laughs> everyone standing up. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very organic thing. Yeah. But it's you're very intentional, very purposeful. You're giving kind of clear instruction. You talk about what the goal is. Mm-hmm. And often team meetings get bogged down in minutia and there's a lack of clarity, particularly when you have a, a team that's meeting every week, week in, week out. It's easy to get into some sloppy habits. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good takeaway from what you know Jonathan does organically on the set of it's small, it's clear. Yeah. We have a goal that you're moving toward. And I would encourage you just to kind of review your own process when you're leading your teams and you you have that kind of clarity and clean way of communicating it. So the team is all on board. To me, there's nothing more demoralizing. And I know we've talked about this before than having endless ongoing meetings after one after another. It's just like, I've had numerous people come my office and go, I don't even know what my purpose is anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak to that from your historical experience? Just what that was like for you? The meetings or the purpose? <laughs> there was a few things in that. <laughs> just the impact of those kind of meetings that just get kind of sloppy and unwieldy. and Yeah, it, it just, it feels like when I was in certain corporate structures, I guess, I mean, you already said like, you know, working at Willow and that kind of thing. It did feel at times like the meetings could get get to that where it's just, it's one after another. And it's like you, it feels like you're driving the ball forward when you're meeting because you're talking about the idea instead of like actually taking the idea and like moving it. And it's easy just to get caught up in that and feel like you're making progress when you're not. You're just thinking about it and not right. acting on it. You know? Right. And so... To your point about the stand-up meetings, like we do all of our heavy lifting, planning and all that, obviously beforehand in pre-production. It's a whole process. And just on set, it's that kind of thing, really before any like new shoot that we would do, anything that's like pertinent. But, you know, for a lot of the publishing stuff, like we talked, I just talked about, it would be at the top of the day and just walk through the day and make sure, hey, you got any questions? Hey, you're on camera three. Remember that's handheld and we're using this obstruction, like do you have any questions about that? Is there anything that's unclear? Like, mm-hmm. ask now. Like, okay, cool. And just kind of go through the whole thing. Just make sure everybody knows what they need to do. You yep. know? You know, one of the things that occurs to me is, I know I've been on teams where it felt like the leader, it was really about him or her, the meeting was. And that's okay to a degree if there's, if it's clean. But when it just starts to kind of, yeah, I hit a zone sometimes where, it feels like they're yammering. <laughs> That's my favorite phrase to use. And now we're in the yammer zone. And it's like nothing productive is happening. It's like you feel your lifeblood just draining out of your body. 
And I, I say that in a humorous way because you need to check yourself. And I would even encourage you to ask your team members how effective a meeting is, is invite feedback and just be vulnerable and say, hey, have we hit the Yammer zone? And if we have, then you need to make a correction, a course correction to make it more efficient and more life-giving to your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, is the process of working with a team different in the post-production phase? Does that change at all between you and Chad as the co-owners of your company and yeah, with a, contractors? That's a great question. Yeah. I would say, so I handle most of the post-production for us currently. There's sometimes that we will hire an outside editor and that kind of thing. But right now I do most of our editing. So yeah, I would say once we shoot the project, once it gets into post, because we're a small agency, we kind of wear a few different hats. And so I try to be aware of which hat I'm wearing when so that I can body that role as best as possible. So when we're in pre-production, I'm wearing the primarily the director hat, kind of the producer hat, but that's Chad's hat to wear. So I've kind of over the time that we've been partnered, kind of relinquished that to him more and more. And then once we hit post-production, I would say that I'm in the while I'm actually editing, I'm in the editor mode, you know, editor hat. But really, I've kind of deferred most of the power to him as the producer to make sure that we're on track, on time. Like, just the way that he's wired, he's my deadline canary in the coal mine. Like, if he's getting nervous, I'm like, okay, we got to, like, get this together. Because just the way he's wired, like... But that's good, because then I know that if he's keeping us in line, I just have to listen to him. And then when we review it, I can just put the director hat back on and not have to sweat the details. In the previous conversation, you mentioned that you use Todoist Mm -hmm. for your scheduling and your Mm -hmm. planning and your Mm -hmm. your project management. Does it change? How does your communication work? What methods of communication do you use? For example, a client could be texting you and could be emailing Chad. So we're, yeah. We actually have just gone through all of this. So so it's pretty clear now. Everything is via email. Everything is via email. And then for video notes, like if you guys were to hire us, stratacreative.net. And then... then uh, you actually need to say that a lot clearer. Well, you know. <laughs> but if... Uh, you know, if you were to work with us, then the way that you would interact with the video and give your feedback is through one tool called Frame.io, uh, Frame.io. And then you would kind of leave all your feedback, all your notes on there. And that allows us to kind of have one central place that all of the like video notes are. But in terms of like written communication, things like that, that's all on email. And it's just because it gets too confusing. It's like, oh, well, I texted you this. And it's like, everything needs to come through Chad for us. And then Chad gets it where it needs to go because he's our traffic manager. Yeah. Yeah. I want to highlight something that you referenced Mm -hmm. because everyone is somewhere on a continuum between being an early start person or a pressure prompted person. Yes. To use uh, the Myers-Briggs nomenclature. And so Chad's an early start guy. Mm -hmm. You're more of a pressure prompted guy. Mm -hmm. One's not better than another. It's just a design. I'm a pressure prompted person. But you want to be conscious of your style because it's going to impact the people on your team. Like I had a client years ago that was a deeply pressure-prompted guy, but their work was really significant, important work. Mm -hmm. And so he was always having his team jumping through hoops. They didn't give him a lot of feedback because he was 
the founder owner of the business. Yeah. And so for them, it felt a little risky to push back. When I came in to coach him and eventually coach the company, it was one of the things I discovered and pushed hard on him to kind of move his pressure promptedness up a little bit. Yeah. Because the deadline was actually a lot sooner than he realized. Mm -hmm. And everything became a fire drill. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kinds of things that you want to pay attention to when you're leading. And you can make just as many mistakes being an early start guy where you're creating an unnecessary pressure on your team mm -hmm. to get ahead of something when they it may not be ready yet. I would say, I guess to kind of yes and you, like that's something that I've noticed in my dynamic with Chad. And it's something that I know that I try to be very cognizant of, right? Like as a leader and with a business partner, like there's times where it's like, I could exert my, I guess, co-ownership authority, like whatever, to like make my voice louder than his in certain instances. Right. But to what I was saying earlier, like that's how I'm allowing him to be in his seat is by driving that stuff and knowing that I am pressure prompted and that I will wait as late. You know, I'll just wait. Like I will. And so seeding that, I guess, authority, like I don't know what the right word is. Control. Like the control yeah. to him mm -hmm. to allow him to drive those deadlines. Like it, it's made a difference. But well, there's a, a balance there, I guess, you know. Yeah. And one of the things that we want to have a growing awareness of is what our impact is mm -hmm. on our team members. That's kind of what we're talking about mm -hmm. now between you and Chad. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to impact him that way. You care about him. Yeah. And you can you don't want to stress him out. No. Because you don't want him to find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, folks, impact to me is just everything in a relationship. Intentionality, it's not unimportant, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I always use the illustration of if you're walking the parking lot outside my office and I back over you with my truck, you don't care that I didn't mean to. You just want to get the damn truck off your chest, right? And so it's the impact that matters. Intentionality can be sorted out later. Yeah. And so sometimes we're just kind of unconscious about the impact that we're making. And so you want to check that. And my hope for a good team is that you'd have the vulnerability enough to open that up and go, how am I impacting you? How's this working for you? You know, do we need to rethink this so that the team can, the whole team can elevate? So Jonathan, give us a, a shout out for your, your business. Yeah. So we are stratacreative.net and we are a boutique creative agency located outside of Nashville, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. And we focus on video production and design. Yeah. Yeah. So you do filmmaking, video production, things like that. Yeah. And what kind of, when you say design, what do you mean? Like graphic design. Okay. So yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. So for your video and graphic design needs, call stratacreative.net. For show notes and relevant resources mentioned in today's episode, and if you'd like to reach out to Ken to see if coaching is the right next step for you, visit ProvidentLeadership.com. That's ProvidentLeadership.com. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform.